I asked my classroom kids this week to identify my favorite student. What was I thinking? Let's talk about it. Episode 31. All right, guys, I hope you find the subject in the opening interesting. I'll let you know how that went and why I even asked them in the first place. Let's talk about, first of all, email address, gregcollinsubstitute at gmail.com. Twitter is subteachlounge at Subteach Lounge. And then these uh, remember that the Facebook page is Substitute Teachers Lounge. That's growing every week. I'm thankful for that. Let me tell you, first of all, what to look forward to next week. I know that you know that some of my favorite episodes are the ones where I'm actually live interviewing students or even studio introducing students. And I think you like those too because those quickly grow right out of the gate when they are released and i i know you all like to hear what the students have to say about substitute teachers and i do too you know i've already done one live from the classroom next week i'll do one live from the volleyball court Uh, of course i have to do that only when i know the students on both sides and can have everybody participate and the coach's permission and all that kind of thing now let me also say that i'm still giving a big thank you to Katie from Hawaii, our interview last week. We continue in our class to participate in that Would You Rather exercise, and it has become so popular in my classroom that when we get to the end of every class, they're asking me, Hey, Mr. Collins, can we do a Would You Rather You know, and what I have learned, too, is I flip through these sheets and try to pick out the ones I sound are most interesting. I still have to remind myself to, you know, try to get every kid involved, every kid's question involved, because whether I think it was the most interesting or not, it is interesting and important to them. So as I go through this, I'm trying to keep track of the questions I've asked. Some of them you can't ask. Uh, Some of them ended up being a little morbid, maybe, Uh, not really by the intention of the student, but I think it has been a great exercise. It has really helped me get to know the kids. The kids have uh, gotten to know me better, and it's really something that we have fun with. So I'll continue to do that the whole time I'm being a long-term sub. That's probably going to go through the end of January. Also this week... An additional tool that I have found that works absolutely great in a social studies class, I guess you could show this in all the classes. Sometimes it's got math in it. Sometimes it has things that would be interesting in ELA. It would really be interesting in science, quite often in science. I show it in social studies because a lot of times they have historical information. I use... I started using CNN 10 about 
oh, maybe a week and a half ago. And let me tell you, those sixth grade kids, that's the first thing they ask for when they walk in the classroom. Are we going to have time to watch CNN 10 today? Now, you know me. I am not a political person in any way. I'm kind of the extreme in that regard. I've stopped watching the news because I don't want to really hear the bias on either side. I read you know, I just kind of read the historical facts and make my own decisions. And I've also, you know, I've been with these kids now several weeks. So I also know, I also know who my strong Republicans are in the class. I know who my strong Democrats are in the class. Most of them will let me joke around with them about it a little bit. They don't become very heated. In fact, if somebody makes a joking comment and somebody else jokes around with them as well. I've noticed that it really doesn't become much of an issue. So I let that happen. But we are watching CNN 10 every day now. It's as you might know, and maybe you don't know, CNN 10, the 10 stands for 10 minutes. Now, I know when you think of CNN, some of you going to think it's biased in one direction. Some of the other news channels you'll think is biased in the other direction. What I do is listen to it every morning. And I will have to admit, and, and I'll give you a perfect example of this. On Thursday, the episode was about impeachment. And, you know, I was concerned that it was going to be a little too slanted to one side or the other, depending on how they chose to present it. So I listened to it. And not only was it not slanted, at least in my opinion, now I will have to say, if you're very strong in your political beliefs and you kind of go into it thinking they're going to say something bad or at least contradictory to what you believe, then you might hear something. You say, yeah, I told you so. I didn't see that. I didn't hear that. I told you I'm not political, but I do have strong beliefs on one particular side, but I don't let that upset me. In fact, I share with the students all the time, you know, you, you know, we're living in a country where, where we're allowed to uh, express our opinion. So be thankful for that. But we were watching that and what they presented on the impeachment as we go along was, I thought, very ed educational. They brought up some things that I wasn't aware of educationally. They brought up some speculation that wasn't really biased. They just brought up what they expected to happen from a factual—I don't guess that would be factual, but what they expected to happen— given historically what has happened before. So I actually thought it was very interesting, and so did the kids. And I I prefaced it in that regard. I said, listen, you guys know I, I'm not real crazy about political discussions in the classroom. Maybe one day we'll do something along that line and just have a debate like two candidates would, and I'd ask you important questions. I even try to challenge them to... If let me take the opposite side of what you normally do, just to see if you can practice backing up beliefs. And but you know the the CNN ten was handled very well. And one of the other reasons I like to do it, there's a lot of human interest stories on there. They had stories about pandas this week. They had story about a gentleman who had taken his picture thousands of times over the last twenty years, and he decided to, you know, do a rapid. A viewing of those pictures on his iPhone. 
So they so they showed that on the episode, and I thought that was a really good presentation. They talked about shooting stars this week. They talked about ATM pizza. That might have been the previous week. But there was all kinds of interesting things in there. The students really seem to feel most fascinated about the artificial intelligence stories that they often run. So I would encourage you to at least watch that on a daily basis. See if you think it would be appropriate for your kids. It, it actually spawns a lot of comment from the students. And with that in mind, as you might expect, on Friday, which would have been the day before the Martin Luther King weekend and a lot of schools, there was a lot about Martin Luther King. Now, let me tell you what I did Friday. I started, first of all, by showing the Martin Luther King CNN 10 presentation. That was about half of the story. It was very timely. I told my students that I thought he was one of the most intelligent men that was kind of from my era. If he had lived, he would have been a little bit older than me now. Uh, well, quite a bit older than me, but it's his, what I mentioned to them is his son is my age. So I was about their age when the assassination took place in 1968. And I always interject those stories. I think the kids find that make it take, takes the interest to another level. So I think they really enjoyed that. But in addition to that, what we did in our Friday class, it was a shorter class. We have what's called days where we enjoy clubs. So that means the rest of the days are shorter. And then they get to go to their club at the end of the day. A lot of schools do that. But what we did in the classroom, we had decided, uh, all the teachers, to do something about Martin Luther King as it relates to the subject we're teaching. So I probably had the easiest job of finding that because I was teaching social studies. I was the smart guy because I asked my wife, a fifth grade social studies teacher, what she uses. And she reminded me that uh, she has a DVD about Martin Luther King that a very good presentation that was on an older episode of the Oprah Winfrey show. I think it took place prior to 2006 because that's when Martin Luther King's wife Coretta died was 2006. And the way they refer to her in the show makes it sound as if she was alive at the time the show was recorded. So, you know, the show's probably, you know, 18 to 20 years old, but it's still very age appropriate. Obviously, it's historical. What I did, I gave them some to encourage them listening. I really didn't have to do that because they asked questions through the whole thing. So they really thought it was interesting. But to encourage them to listen, I gave them bonus questions at the end that would help their test scores to kind of motivate them to listen. There were several things that I had forgotten. I had forgotten the year where uh, Rosa Parks, you know, became a, uh, a person that stood stood strong for her beliefs and refused to give her seat up on the bus to a white man. That was in 1955. They showed a lot of the, uh, you know, the the unrest back from those days and the things that happened and surround it. And it's, it's interesting. And thank goodness the kids I have in my class can't believe that this took place back then. They're very, they're very uh, 
smart in that regard. They know when people shouldn't be mistreated. And we covered things like that. But the trivia questions I asked were, you know, I asked about what year the Rosa Parks um event happened. That was 1955. I didn't ask the year of the assassination. That was 68, Martin Luther King assassination. I did ask the name of the motel. That was the Lorraine. Part of that story that was on the Oprah show was very from a human interest standpoint and his family. They mentioned an amusement park that his daughter wanted to attend, but she couldn't because it was only for whites. Uh, that name was Fun Town. So we really had a good time with that video. They really enjoyed it. I wish we had time to watch it all since the classes were shortened. We only we only got to watch about 30 minutes of it. It was an hour show, but that's with, with the commercials added in, so I could afford it through those. But it was a very interesting video. If you ever have a chance, I couldn't find it on YouTube, so I was thankful we had recorded it and could use that in the classroom. That was very informational. The final question I asked them was, how old was Martin Luther King Jr. when he went to college? And he was actually 15. And it's interesting. That was the question that was easiest for them. They had remembered that. I guess the fact that he was intelligent enough to make it to college at age 15 was very impressive to them. Also, he was obviously a Baptist. I shouldn't say obviously. He was a minister at a Baptist church, and he did did a lot all the, all the things he stood for. He did it in a nonviolent way. He used Gandhi as one of his examples to go by, and you know we emphasize that you can do things positively. You can stand up for what you believe in and still do it in a non-threatening way. So we made sure I got our our point across in that regard. Kids are looking forward to having Monday off. So that was a good day that we spent on Friday to do all those activities. Now, main topic. Here we go. Why in the world would I have asked the kids who my favorite student was? Maybe when you heard that, you thought I had lost my mind. Because you know I've always talked about trying to t- uh, treat all students the same. So here's, here's what happened. And part of this, you're going to think I'm crazy for some of the things I believe in. It's just my belief. It does not have to be yours. Don't think I'm implying that. But here's the way this situation took off. Uh, first of all, you're going to hear me talk about some of the teachers at the at the school I currently substitute at. I love those teachers. Nothing is going to be negative. One of them did challenge me this week. But this is the same teacher that... It just so happens this week that uh, they know that I love jambalaya, and she brought in some jambalaya for me to eat this week. So I was very excited about that, and I joked around with her what I had done. So here's the way it went. I noticed they were putting together a bulletin board in our hallway with a lot of post-it notes on there. And it was for the teachers, anytime a student went above and beyond, they could put their first and last initial up there. They didn't really spell out their name, but you know, the kids could figure that out. And then the first and last initial of the teacher, and they could do, they could put up there what they did. And I thought that was an interesting way to recognize students They asked me, they told me that I was free to put things up there. And here was my response. Like it or not, here was my response. I told them, 
The reason I normally don't participate in writing on something like that is that I'm always like hyper paranoid, almost concerned that one student gets recognition over the other. I want to make sure they're all, you know, treated equally. You know, they're going to differentiate differentiate themselves in the scores they get on their test anyway. I'm always concerned that if I start singling out students and writing their initials on the board, it's going to appear that I may be playing favorites. And it will also appear perhaps that I think I have to do it. And so I'm purposely looking for a student who maybe doesn't really need to go up on that board, but because I need to put somebody up there, I just think about the best thing that was done that day, whether it was outstanding or not, and put that on the board. I also think sometimes there's a tendency, just because kids are kids, and adults would do this too, for that matter, if they were knew they were getting some kind of special recognition, then they start doing some things to get noticed in that way. And that's okay. I understand that is human. But I normally don't participate in a bulletin board project of this type because I'm concerned about singling students out i want them all to think that i treat them equally now when i said that this teacher who i love this teacher told me well mr collins they already know who your favorite student is anyway and she made me think and i'm thinking wow is that really true do these students think i have a favorite student Am I fooling myself? Have I gone through a year's worth of substitute teaching teacher trying to be positive to everyone, even the students that give me a hard time in class, even the students that sometimes I'll single out in class? A lot of times if I feel that I've, I've singled somebody out in class and it really ended up sounding more negative than I want it to, I'll make a comment. I still love all of you guys. But let's make sure we learn from this. And that kind of loosens things up. So I had a concern now. I took it as a challenge and I told her the results afterwards. I've identified that it was a female teacher, but most, you know, a lot of the teachers are female. So I, uh, I'll tell you how it went down. At the end of the test, we, we did another Kahoot test again. It went real well. They had their notebook paper out beside them in case they had a glitch in their computer and needed to write their answers down on the paper. But then I told them, and they could do this anonymously, write down at the bottom of your paper who you think my favorite student is. Now, I prefaced it by this because you know as well as I do, if I had just left it at that, then everybody's going to write down the name of a student. I'll tell you the results here in just a moment. But instead, I worded it like this. If you think I have a favorite student, write down the name. I kind of glanced around when I said that, and I really didn't see anybody writing immediately. So that made me feel good. If I had seen like over half the class immediately started writing, well, then I would know, well, man, I've just been fooling myself. Obviously, they think I do have favorite students in here. So something has happened to cause them to think that. But that didn't happen. So here was my full question to them. I said, do you think I have a favorite student or do you think I treat everybody equally? I said, if you think I have a favorite student, write down their name. 
if you think I have treat everyone equally, write down the word equal. And so most of them got through quickly. Uh, I was glad to see when I worded it that way that a lot of them immediately started writing then. I assumed that most of them were going to put down the word equal that were immediately writing. I assumed that the ones that were thinking about it were thinking of a student's name. So the results were this. I did that. I've got seven periods. I did that in all seven periods. I glanced at them. We actually took our test before CNN 10 that day and had CNN 10 at the end of class. So I looked at their papers while that video was going on. And I had about five minutes in every class to talk about it. So let me tell you guys the same thing I told them as I was looking, you know, through their classes. And most most of the classes were about the same percentage. It came out to right at 95% of those who all of them participated. So 95% of them wrote the word equal on their page. So that made me feel good. There was only about 12 students in the entire 150 that wrote down something other than equal. And even with that in mind, most of them wrote down the volleyball players. They didn't single out one individual. And when I mentioned that, one of them admitted to me, one of the students admitted to me, that's what they wrote down because they just know that I enjoy volleyball and that I seems like I talk to those uh, players uh, sometimes more than the others. And I, you know, I told them, I said, listen, you know, I, uh, I see those students more often than I see all of you in the classroom. I would love to see you guys out in the open. I would love to be able to go to your all's events more than, you know, to get to know you outside the classroom And I said, that gives me the opportunity to talk to you more socially, to just get to know you better. So it's just naturally that sometimes I continue those conversations in the classroom. And they all laughed and understood that. So most of the ones that the names that they put down were the were the girls on the volleyball team. There's also two students that go to church with me. Some of those names appeared on the sheets. Uh, There was only one other student that was on that list that doesn't fall into one of those two categories. So I felt good about that. Those students were telling me, Mr. Collins, we think you treat us equally. And even the ones you go to church with or the ones you play volleyball with, we understand that. We, we want to be able to have social conversations with you as well. So I really think that gave me the results I was hoping for. I jokingly told the teacher how, how it came out, and they were thankful too, and they understood where I was coming from. So we uh, all of us learned from that. They understood why I approached certain things certain ways. So I thought that went well. I I hope that as we teach all of our students that we try our best not to single out individual students, even the ones that give us problems from time to time, even the ones that excel all of the time, it seems like. Everybody else in the classroom to me is just as important. I don't want to single one child out over the other. So I hope, you know, maybe subconsciously I've had favorite students. I hope that it doesn't come across publicly in that regard. I have noticed that a lot of times I will catch myself choosing the same student 
to help me maybe with handing out papers. So I try to even spread that around and choose out someone different. Uh, my, I think about the uh, classroom arrangement that I've gone to. That helps me with that, too, because I can go to different areas of the classroom. Some students that I have close to me, i got to be careful not to pick them all the time to help me with things. Pick somebody in the back of the room. They probably want to help out with that, too. So think about that as you're going. It's okay to have students you know you can depend upon. Let's just try our best to come across as treating all the students equally. I was thankful for those results. I'm I'm confident that you guys would get the same results. And, you know, the old phrase that was used all the time back when I was in school was teacher's pet. I don't hear that used much by these kids. So I'm glad that they confirmed what I hoped was true. So that worked out real well. Try that sometimes, especially if you're in a long-term sub row, and, and see what they say. It may be a little bit enlightening to you. I will close with something fun. I told you last week I gave you a quote from one of the Marvel movies. I have an obsession right now. I have enough friends who are big Marvel movie fans that – I have tried to catch up with them. I hadn't watched too many of them at all. In fact, when I got Disney Plus, I pulled up Avengers Endgame because I knew that was now the most money-making movie of all time. And basically, I was lost. All my friends told me I I would be lost when I watched the movies because I hadn't seen the others, and they kind of built on top of each other. So... I punched in my iPhone, I went into Google, and I said, if I want to watch all these chronologically, how do I do that? And a list of 23 Marvel movies came up that had been released through 2019. So I started watching all those probably about eh, maybe six weeks ago. And I'm happy to say that I'm up to number 18. So I only have five more movies to go. And I'm It's really held my interest a lot more than I was even expecting it to. I've got favorite movies now. Those of you that know about all the Avenger movies, my favorite was Captain America's Civil War so far of the 18 I've watched. And I understand that was a very popular one. So it was a lot of your all's favorites, too. So, you know, give me your opinion. Let's have some fun opinions. What's your favorite Marvel movie? It helps me to have conversation with the students in the classroom. In in fact, sometimes I'll pull up that website or the YouTube channel that I talk about called Data is Beautiful, and they have the DC and Marvel movies together and show how they had progressed over the years, I think since the 70s when maybe the Superman movie came out that had Christopher Reeve in it playing Superman. So think about that for your students. Think about something fun. Try your best to not have favorite students. Try to treat them all equally. And I think our classroom environment will be great. So I will see you next week. Provided by BenSound.com.